Got a bad bitch on me. What? What? Got a bad bitch on me. She D T F. She tell me she D T F. I heard she D T F. What? And you ain't hanging with the team if you ain't down to fuck. Okay. Well, welcome to DTF. It is the Daryl Timmery Fun Hour. It is the greatest sex education comedy, sometimes game show, currently podcast in the known universe. Hello. I am your resident sexuality educator, Dr. Timmery. And I'm Daryl Charles, a comedian and co-host of the DTF podcast. And also fellow nerd. And Oh, yeah. That big helps. nerd. Yeah. You know what's fun? I got to uh, introduce a bunch of people to portmanteaus this weekend. Like the concept? The concept of portmanteaus. Like they, we were talking about those kinds of words um and they didn't know that that's what they were called okay so if somebody doesn't know what a portmanteau is how how would you describe it daryl it's the uh practice of taking two words that um put together mean something and smashing them together to make a new word like smog uh being smoke and fog or motel being a motor hotel it's a portmanteau or brangelina Yes, Bradgelina is one. Uh Benifer yeah. is another one. Yeah. Um did you uh the 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 big thing that was big for my nerd brain was that portmanteau means luggage. Oh. At least a Wikipedia page. It's like portmanteau is an example of a portmanteau because I guess someone called luggage portmanteau. <laughs> okay. Alright. Which is just like, wow, that's something that, that's walked by me my entire life. Thank well, you, I, Wikipedia. I mean, to be real, when you said motel, I was like, did I know that? I have like some vague spark in the back of my head that's like, at some point you knew that. <laughs> but you telling me now, I was like, oh, wow. Also, yeah, because we were looking for portmanteaus and then I looked it up. But yes, yeah, smog and motel are like the first two examples on that Wikipedia page. Because so. they're so popular that n- now they're just known as words on their own. Right. Yeah. yeah probably. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 See, welcome to the sex podcast where we end up talking about etymology. And like... hey. <laughs> it, it, the words you speak matter. And, uh, you know, if there's one thing you should learn about sex is that uh, you should be able to express yourself, uh, one, any way you feel like, and two, um, effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that is going to help you and it's also going to help any partners if you choose for there to be partners around, right? Yeah, we got to make sure that when we use a word that it means the same thing to everybody involved or at least we have an understanding of what it means to each one of us. <laughs> so we're yeah. not assuming things, yeah. And we have to avoid uh, what's thought thought prohibiting cliches i'm i'm ruining the definition that i heard but it's like when people say certain things and it makes everybody shut the hell down you know things like woke and crt and uh pronouns uh certain people will be like ugh and completely stop thinking uh because uh, you used a no-no word that means you're one of the bad people and you can you should avoid that there should be you know if if you are ready to be uh, intimate with a person you should be able to talk about what you want out of the intimacy mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. should be able to talk about it too mm-hmm. even if all you're gonna do is high five and get to it um you know yeah i mean that sounds like a good plan for people yeah like literally high five and get to it you know that's also right at least high five and get to it or high five when you're done that's called aftercare yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) some high fives uh yeah yeah, underutilized in the sexual situations why not (laughs) all right uh yeah let's start getting more sexual stuff so uh (laughs) shall we go to our first regular segment you mean the fucking news the fucking news (laughs) So, uh, this one is, like, not news in the way that it's, like, recent or anything. (laughs) Um, Not news in that way, but it is news in that it got coverage, I guess. So, this is uh, an article... Uh, that's that's relatively recent about a recent study done by Indiana University. And wonderful it, place to do this research, by the way. 
Yeah, that is interesting. Um, but I, they actually just do a lot of sex research out of Indiana University, which is why right. this like sort of came across my awareness. Um, but it's um, it involves researchers that we've cited before on other things related to sexuality, but they just for the first time just actually found out what percentage of uh, the diagrams of anatomy and physiology that are in contemporary human sexuality books uh, depict a variety of skin colors. Like, what percentage of them are appearing to be white and what percentage of them are literally anything else. And so Mm -hmm. the research team found that only 1.1% of diagrams represented darker skin tones. 83.5% represent light. Um, there's a little bit of a number in between there. So I'm going to guess those numbers are like medium tones. The, um, the, yeah. Brown. Yeah. Uh, I think is usually the catch all term. Yeah. Um, for anyone lighter than me, but and, darker than you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and for a white person, um, I'm not the lightest that it goes, you know? So no, like, no, no, yeah, no. it goes even, yeah, it goes even paler than that. Um, but yeah, they're looking at 182. 182 different uh, diagrams and images from contemporary and these are like college level human sexuality textbooks so the sort of thing that would be required and uh, this is like a a pattern of uneven representation like you know the most frequent skin code uh, skin color coded was white with pink undertones and that was 42.3% of the images and the second most prevalent color was pinkish brown Um, and that's not necessarily like the the whole of race obviously but that right. is certainly an example of not being particularly diverse or representative of the real world yeah and you know the 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 thing is that they're talking about books that train people who are going to professionally be dealing with the public and uh that's where you run into a problem i i've seen articles like this all over the place this one has to do with um books about sexuality but uh, I've seen this be brought up about medical textbooks, that it's mm, usually mm-hmm. uh, light skin tones, white skin tones that are in books uh, when they try to describe t- or teach young budding doctors about things like skin rashes and what uh, keloids look like and shit like that. And, you know, uh, the world is brown. The world, not the United States. The United States is still pretty white, but we're working on it. Uh, but the world is pretty brown and you know we are training many many people to not be able to recognize uh, you know something that doesn't if if something walks in that's different than the textbook then they have no frame of reference I think there was a guy this is why Daryl should do research but um, it was a it was like a a medical student who made his own book that had dark skin tones um, an example from dark skin tones of a lot of like uh, skin conditions and medical conditions mm-hmm. um, and you know it, it, it made the news in, in you know this is past the year 2000 it's this century like it made the news it was it was like a revolutionary act and um, you know it sucks but I'm glad that people are having these conversations yeah uh, I mean this is like one of those things where it's just so duh when it's stated out loud uh, mm-hmm. but but something that goes unremarked upon like a lot of the time and and you and I were talking about before we started recording like there was a basically like a viral image of just like a fetal diagram uh, like where a fetus is sitting on the inside of a pregnant person's body and it was the skin of the pregnant person and the fetus like implied this is a black combination of people (laughs) and (laughs) a lot of folks were like i have literally never seen how have i gone this long and never seen something like this and it's like yeah yeah why is that well because uh as was the terrible quote history is written by the victors Mm. uh you know it it goes a long way to uh push a certain way of life a certain way of thinking by uh, making sure that the books that people read reflect it and that's it, ins- that's assuming there's some kind of insidious nature to this. But, you know, I think that there are a lot of people, especially in the sexuality education space, especially in queer spaces, they are doing a lot to diversify that. There's a book, uh, I think it's called Sex is Fun, um, which is a, it's a nice little book that's like cartoons, but it goes over like just ways to be sexy and whatnot. And the one thing I will say about that book that's really cool is that 
most examples are not just a guy and a girl. Like they, mm-hmm. they really go out of their way to diversify the kinds of bodies that you see, the kinds of um, participants in sex that you see in all of the things. And, you know, it really doesn't matter if you're talking about partnered sex the bits that the people have or whatever doesn't really matter right because again we're going to be talking about the communication aspects and how to um bring somebody to orgasm sure the the genitals matter but it's about rubbing the right spots the right spots change on everybody's body so it's nice to have that breath of things um you know it's another one of those times when you could just easily say yeah diversity is important because the world is diverse but you know diversity is one of those terms that uh make people stop thinking uh Mm -hmm. in some places i learned this when i went on tour Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i was in the midwest killing killing i'm not you know i believe in myself but listen i was destroying i had a 30 minute set i was killing for 25 minutes I said, give it up. Uh, We have the most diverse cabinet in the history of the United States. And they stopped laughing. It wasn't like they didn't, like they, they, they were laughing at something. And I was rolling into the next joke. I said diversity. And they made sure they stopped laughing. Like it just, it's just one of those funny things. And I knew where I was. So, you know, you just move on. But, ooh, boy. Midwest nice. Nothing Midwest, like Midwest well, nice. Yeah, nothing yeah. like it. Uh, <laughs> you know. But it 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 definitely was a thing where if I had any more um uh if I was headlining, I would have uh took my time to talk to those people about what just happened. Mm. But I wasn't. I was the opener and I needed to make sure that I did a proper handoff because that was my job. Um but you know, it is what it is. Well, diversity's cool. I'm glad you're you're back in a major city on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, it's like a, what Chris Rock said: black people only live in ten places. <laughs> New York, L.A., D.C. Like we don't fuck around, because you know, uh, when the sun goes down, y'all act weird. Mm-hmm. Vampires. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Vampires. Uh, yeah. There's a reason why they can't be in the sun. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because it's a lack of melanin. Um. Which which helps absorb the sun rays and uh, leads to very low rates of uh, skin cancer, uh, you know, per person. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just thinking about like these diagrams and the way that like you you mentioned like really the big application of course is this is training people in terms mm-hmm. of like what is normal, and this is I guess also just a part of the larger problem of how like science in general is only as objective as the people who are doing it, and that includes. Yeah like what variables are picked out and how they're measured and then like you know things like that and I just keep thinking about how many different diagnoses and the framework for what a disease or an illness looks like is based entirely on one specific part of the population and not the population at large like perfect example um ADD uh, it's entirely the framework is is male. They've based mm-hmm. it on men f- the whole time. That that um, a lot of neurodiversity, autism. You know, when Asperger's was a thing, like all of the ways that those were categorized and measured and discussed was entirely around the idea that like it only affected boys and men. And then yeah. it's the same shit with mental health issues in general. Like we've we've talked about this before. Like the the fact of being a depressed person means you're actually going to experience a lot more reasons for mental health issues in the world. But then the way that people are perceived by clinicians and the way that diagnoses are done mean that like what expectations of what a person should be like are shaped. And so, you know, the example I've given before is like, um, African-American men are four times more likely to be diagnosed with schizophrenia and mm. Asian Americans are more likely to experience depressive symptoms, but less likely to be diagnosed with a depressive disorder. And like, mm. I think this is, you know, it's all part and parcel of this whole thing of like, if everybody in the room making decisions all looks the same, yeah, it's just not going to be the, as good if as science. If the idea of diversity is never brought up, people just operate as if it's not a thing that needs to be factored in for, um, 
And, you know, I'm not the only black person in the world, and I have my own stories about being mistreated by uh, medical professionals. Um, Man, ooh, I got to tell this story. So I had to get a thing cut out of me. You know, it was standard easy surgery, whatever. Um, But they, you know, they numbed me up. They cut me open. They took the thing out. Um, And then they were like, all right, man, good. You're good to go home. And I was like, you think I'm going to need, like, pain medicine for the gaping wound you just put into my body? And the dude was like, oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) It was funny because, like, I don't think he was going to bring it up until I did. But anyway, he was like, but, you know, um, you just take, like, take two Tylenols instead of one. Get the extra strength one. Take two of them. Um, uh, and you know, they already had me numbed up. So I went home and I took the things and went to sleep and I woke up, I don't know, five, six, seven times in the night. Cause anytime I moved my body, I would wake up screaming and, mm. uh, I was just going to tough it out. But thankfully I'm married to a person who cares about me more than I care about myself <laughs> and was like, one, you're ruining my sleep, motherfucker. Like you need drugs. So I went back to the place and I was like, hey, uh, this Tylenol shit ain't working. And they were like, well, I don't know what to do for you. And I was like, you need to give me stronger painkillers. And I'm not leaving until you do. And um, I had to wait. And like the doctor had to come. And, and it worked. But what's very funny to me was as I was doing that, the person next to me was a very disheveled white person who um, was slurring their speech and asking if they could get their scripts. And the person was like, well, your doctor doesn't come in until whatever time. And he was like, well, I could wait. And he just sat there. And I was like, hold on a second. This person is using street terms for the drugs he wants. And y'all are humoring him. I'm in a sling. (laughs) Telling you that I'm in pain and I didn't sleep yesterday because of it. And you're trying to give me the runaround and you know there's an old joke where black people don't feel no pain and if you go and look it up black people get you know uh, fucking Serena Williams almost died having mm-hmm. a kid because she said something was wrong in her body and the doctor was like nah you'll be alright um you know blood clots uh, yeah did huh it was blood clots could have killed her yeah blood clots she could have died uh, fucking you know the greatest athlete alive um could have died because the doctor was like nah you know and I don't know uh, if um, I don't know how to teach that, but you know, I'm not, I don't teach doctors, but you know, it's also the same reason why doctors are really um, weird about sexuality health. And if someone is queer identifying or has something other than has something is something other than a cisgendered straight person, doctors really don't know how to talk to it because they're not trained. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's a, a, I think I mean we've definitely talked about it before but like a general misunderstanding from the from the population at large because when people have sexual questions the folks that they go to are the ones that they think are authorities and that's usually clergy or medical professionals who but neither one of those groups necessarily got sexuality training and if you're catholic they may have literally no even personal experience to draw from right. so so then like medical professionals if they get any sexuality training it's like specifically when they go out and do a specific residency like if you are literally going to go do an ob-gyn residency hopefully maybe you learn something there but like i train medical professionals i will be the one that come and talks comes and talks to your uh, professional program about sexuality issues about gender and and sexual orientation and like the 90 minutes i get with them will be what what they have in the years of training and that's just simply not enough like so it just it's it still is very much on the individual person to do that sort of learning and to be motivated to give a shit about that and some of the most traumatic stories i've heard from people about shaming stigmatizing like were their doctors making them feel fucking weird because they they like the doctors feel weird yeah, because it's the doctor's own shit. Yeah, it's it's them feeling strange. So it's like asking for STI screening, and the doctor will be like, "Well, aren't you married?" And then now I got to go into it and like, "Oh, well, you're you're not just monogamous." Well, right. now aren't I have you a married? whole bunch of opinions. Does that mean I can't get one? What the fuck yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Or like you know having 
yeah just really stigmatizing weird ways of talking about stuff that oh yeah i know a then people don't women. come back yeah yeah i know yeah and that's and that's the other thing that it, it leads people to just not trust the medical uh community and the infrastructure that we have in this country um you know there's no place like home whatever um mm. love it or leave it god damn it uh, <laughs> i tried to leave but, it <laughs> but then the <laughs> pandemic happened <laughs> i know multiple i i know multiple because i choose my friends well i know multiple women who do not want to have children and i know women who have gone to their doctors and said i don't want children can you please remove my ovaries i i will not have a use for them and the doctors will not do it until you turn 35 they're just oh, like yeah. no because you might sue me later it's like what are you talking about if i'm a I'm a rational human being. I have the ability to drive and vote. I'm telling you to get rid of this thing that we all know causes me troubles every time there's a full moon. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not a doctor. Um, and they just tell them no, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was having a conversation with someone literally this weekend. She had asked her doctor for, God, what was it? Um yeah, I, I think people asking about permanent birth control methods, mm-hmm. IUDs. The first time I asked for an IUD, I was told no. And yeah. then I was like, wait a minute. And I went back and I'm like, no, dude, for real though. Right. For real though. No, I've you don't on, need one. I've been on birth control since I was fucking 15 years old. Give me the one that I don't have to remember to do a thing all the time. Like, And give me the one on. that doesn't cause my hormones to spike and jump and do all kinds of backflips. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely better now in terms of of that specific thing especially permanent birth control because i think in like the last five years there have been really significant changes but like if your doctor doesn't stay up to date on stuff then right you know there's some old school doctors still out there practicing so very very true and you know yeah the, the world moves forward i guess that's the i was just talking about this with somebody else it's like you know the thing is that uh, kids grow up to be adults, and then they uh, will be able to look at what has happened, and then they will judge the adults. So you do all this shit to protect the children, and then the children go, God damn it, I was being raised by racists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you just can't stop the flow of time and information. And mm-hmm. I think it's probably very much a patient advocacy thing that led to doctors being or i mean you know maybe someone who is a doctor was a patient didn't like the way that some shit worked out and decided that they were going to be better right um you know hopefully with time all this stuff will change but i'm reminded of uh the james baldwin quote he's like how much time do you want for your progress you've taken my time you take my brother's time you've taken my father's time you've taken my (laughs) sister's time uh how much time do you need to just not be a piece of shit yeah. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Yeah. But speaking of the fact that you cannot stop the flow of information, I feel like that's mm-hmm. a very good time to transition to our next regular segment. Very true. Which is fucking idiot, fucking brilliant. Oh, and yeah. we're going to start with fucking idiot. Of course. And man, oh man, oh man, we picked the idiotist. Um, and it it, it, it it jives very well with the conversation that we're having right now. Oh, yeah. Flawless fucking transition, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so this just has to do with the fact that uh, in the current state the Republican Party is in, which is basically just uh, a water slide to fascism, they mm. are trying to ban a bunch of books on race and LGBTQ issues and there are a bunch of examples in different places. Uh, in yeah. Texas, the governor sent a letter to state school boards saying that public schools shouldn't have pornographic or obscene material. He didn't specify any examples. Um, but then there's like the uh, Texas state rep called on the attorney general to investigate this in schools. And one lawmaker in Texas identified 850 books that should be questioned that are currently in schools. And most of them are written by women, people of color, LGBTQ folks. Oh, uh, what? You mean when we decide as a people to uh, institute some kind of a law, it turns out that the people who are marginalized in other ways tend to be uh, the first to be hurt and the ones to be hurt the most? Is that? Yeah. You yeah. didn't say that. Maybe I'm, that's me. Sorry. No. Yeah, I am saying that. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's almost as if, yeah. uh, you know, you, you can look at the number of, uh, anyway 
<laughs> boy. So mm. yeah, we've we've got other examples to to oh, get angry about. Um, Shout out to uh, West Virginia. They just put a they just put a governor in who ran on an anti CRT thing. Like the the idea of critical race theory, which is rarely defined well. Um, Wait, is this uh, uh, is this the Virginia like Glenn Youngkin? Yeah. Oh, so it was Virginia, not West just Virginia. Re- yeah, just regular regular old classic Virginia. Reg- yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, original. Yeah, um, they they suck, um, and you know they voted uh, for for the best interests of uh, their children. Uh, they just wanted to keep the kids, um, you know, uh, from having to look at porn, which is hilarious. Because I mean, I don't know. I, I I've been to Virginia a couple times, but I assume just like me, they found porn in the woods. Um, well, yeah, and they also at- their concerns are not just porn either they are concerned about sexually explicit but they also had a problem with like beloved by Tom oh, yeah, Morrison yeah, yeah. They, oh yeah 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 it's just it's the <laughs> you can cut through all of the talk by just saying you just don't want anything that threatens your worldview you don't want your children coming home and say it's like um oh man oh man my favorite part of 2020 was um after you know in the midst of the whole uh, Black Lives Matter uprisings that were happening in the country, uh, there were a number of videos of people of uh, <coughs> cops being upset because they would come home and their children would be like, hey why are you such a jerk? Do you, are you one of these bad cops? And then they come back and they're like, man you know, my kids are asking me what am I doing? I don't like this. It's like, uh, your kid son, the whole public is asking you what the fuck are you doing? You're upset that your child doesn't see you as their god anymore. They they see you as an infallible human being, as a fallible human being, and uh, uh, probably an evil person propping up a terrible regime. And you know, everyone makes choices. And uh, a mark of maturity, in my opinion, is when you get old enough to realize that your parents did the best that they could. Mm. They were just people who were probably in their early 20s, maybe their 30s, when they created another human being. The fact that you're breathing right now means that they did okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of that is understanding that, like, oh, man, like, my parents have some pretty backwards views on shit. All of the people from a generation do because that's how they were raised and that's what happened. Uh, you know. The, yeah, there's... Uh, this is a thing that I actually spent this last weekend. I taught a bunch of workshops on like sexuality. And one of the things that we talk about all the time, um, whether it's like where, where we got our messages on bodies or where we got our messages on sexuality, very often, you know, it's, it's really easy to realize they were wrong and they did damage in the ways that they were wrong. And it's Mm -hmm. totally understandable for the first reaction to be anger and frustration and just like, buck them and all that and that's a completely valid response but then if you want to move on with their life remembering that they probably could have had access to other information but they didn't and they probably repeated what they heard from their parents and what they got from all their social sources Mm -hmm. and we live in a time where we have much better access to information and it is much easier to find out how those things are fucked up and yes there have always been people who are fighting against all of these problems, but they didn't have the internet. And so it was much harder to yeah. have a platform. And so we can be the ones that break these intergenerational curses of like whatever dumb shit, you know, yeah. your, your grandparents told your parents who then told you. Yeah. And this is where you see system of systems of power come into play. When these things start changing socially, what do the people who are the most threatened by it do? They start, talking to people who actually have power and they 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 or they try to use their power to stifle um these messages from coming out which is why Mm -hmm. you're going to see a bunch of red states tend to stop books written by uh black and queer people but brown you know pocs queer people because they provide a slice of life a frame of reference that is not in their control and you know uh to quote many people, uh, you'll you'll become an adult and you'll be able to move away and you'll be able to live your life the way you want to. Um, but you know, uh, 
until then, uh, try to strive for the world to be a better fucking place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what uh, that's what uh, it seems uh, many of these members of the Republican Party are uh, adamantly against. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. So yeah, some some more examples of this just uh, to keep throwing more fuel in the fire. Um, in Virginia, more more cases. There were school board members who went so far as to say that not only should these books be banned, but then they should be burned, which yeah. is hilarious. Quite a thing, yeah. Um, one guy was quoted as saying, "I guess we live in a world now that our public schools would rather have kids read about gay pornography than Christ." And quite frankly. <laughs> I would because like um yes we have decided a long time ago <laughs> that public schools and religion are not supposed to be combined together. Very true. Uh, so yes, that's actually true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's that. I mean, and again, it's it's because of a book. It's Adam Rapp's 33 Snowfish with a storyline that includes drug drug addiction, prostitution and violence. I am positive. I'm not going to look into it. So, you know, you can stop listening to me right now if you want. I am positive that this book was not in an elementary school library. I don't think that anybody at the age of 10 was supposed to have this book around them. This is this is a book probably for someone in junior high or someone in high school. And, you know, the age at which a lot of people, especially people who probably weren't treated very well um, as children, tend to find out and experience drugs sex violence and uh making money doing those three things Mm -hmm. and you know it it probably would be good when you uh have those feelings you start to develop those feelings you start to get that knowledge of the world to be able to read about it by yourself Mm -hmm. and meditate on those things because Mm -hmm. these are important issues that are going to affect you for the rest of your fucking life you know, uh, one of the greatest things my mom did was when she realized that I was looking at uh, titties and butts was she took me to the library and she put me in front of the set of books that were about uh, your body changing. And mm. she said, here are the books, read them. Mm. And, you know, would it have been better if she sat me down and explained stuff? I don't know. But what I did have was a library card mm-hmm. and I just started reading. And what did my little juvenile idiot mind do I would go back to school and I would make I would draw the drawings that I saw in those books to make my friends laugh about the growth of titties and pubic hair because it was the fourth fucking grade but obviously at that time it was like like eight that was eight, eight or nine obviously if I was interested in that shit I was ready to learn about that shit yeah and, if you know, you're old enough to ask the question, you're old enough to get the answer. That's I I don't have kids, but I would say yes. Yes, no that I mean that is literally the what we know from people who do education because it's like when when we are talking about any subject with kids, whether it is sexuality, which is an innate part of being a person, or if we're talking about some sort of traumatic thing, like violence and drug addiction like you were mentioning before. Those are mm-hmm. things that exist in the world. And if a kid is going to ever come in contact with the world, we have to be able to discuss it with them in a developmentally uh, appropriate way. So, yeah. like, for, exa- for example, like, let's say a kid comes across some, like, information on kink and they ask about it. Like, there are ways to have that conversation that, you know, just answer their fucking question and you don't have to go into, like you know florentine flogging styles but just be like okay so you see how this this guy and this other person are doing this thing well that's the thing that that brings them joy that you know some adults like to do not all adults like to do it but some of them do and you know how you like to color and your friend jeremy likes to play on the swings but not everybody likes to do those things like say you can just say it in a way that makes sense to them and you don't have to go into you know, great detail when that's not really what they need to know. What they need to know is sometimes adults do this stuff and they like it and it's not for everybody and that's okay. Move on. And, you know, to be able to just like literally help a kid understand the concepts of the world. is like, that's, that's your whole job, whether you're a parent or you're an uncle or whatever, like that is your whole entire thing is to help them understand and help them get through. 
And what a lot of people like to say is, well, I just want them to stay kids. They shouldn't have to worry about prostitution in a city when we live in a town and that sort of thing doesn't happen. One, yes, it does happen there. Two, if you really have a problem with that stuff, why don't you work to make that better? If you really don't like prostitution being brought up by your children, make a world where uh, prostitution is something that people choose out of joy and not out of necessity because they happen to have a set of opinions that made their family throw them into the street and they realize very quickly that the only thing that people want from a fucking child um, uh, is sex, right? Like, work to make the world better. Uh, get get people off of uh, this vicious cycle of addiction and have and, and get them to, you know, have a mature relationship with uh, brain altering chemicals. Do that. Don't stop kids from hearing about it. All of this is, it is less about the kids than it is about our own discomfort though with these things. And that's the first step that everybody has to have is to acknowledge our own discomfort. And like, if I don't want to talk to a kid about a thing, it's not because of the kid. It's because I feel weird about it. And maybe I haven't even sorted out my own feelings on the subject. Right. And so I don't know how to describe it to them because I'm not super sure. And that's completely fine to not know all of this stuff. And it's completely understandable to be of course, confused and uncomfortable about a thing you're not specifically trained to talk about. Like completely get that. Like I would feel uncomfortable trying to do new math with a kid because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, Oh, man. I was like in the sixth grade, I think, when I had like a problem with my math homework. And I was like, Ma, I need help. And my mother... <laughs> She read the thing and she's like, she sat down. I'll, I'll never forget this. She was like, Daryl, listen, uh, I don't know a lot of math. Um, this kind of stuff I never had in school. So I think you just need to read it again and figure out the answer for yourself. All right. And then she touched my hand. She shook her head and then she walked away. <laughs> and I cr- and I cried. I cried to myself because I had no idea what the fuck's going on, and I got left alone. Aww. But you know, that was my mom just be like, "Hey, buddy, I don't know what the fuck to tell you, baby. I, <laughs> hey, I'm not. I'm. I, I did not put you in school for me to learn math. Mm. You need to figure this shit out. And you know what ended up happening? I I went to school for engineering, and I was yeah. an engineer for years. Right? Yeah. Like this, this shit is. It's okay to not know, but yeah. Uh, yeah, just try not to infect your kids with your dumb bullshit. Yeah. And I and I also just want to say that like again it's like it's fine it's fine to be nervous and scared about this stuff and that's why these books do exist. Yeah, uh, yeah. How about that one? People spend a lot of time and resources putting together these books so that you don't have to know everything and you don't have to be the one source of information on this stuff and Right. And it's also just like you know a part of being an adult is just acknowledging that things can exist in the world that aren't for you and aren't about you and don't necessarily, you know, support your personal dreams and hopes and wishes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, either like just to, to be mature enough to allow things to exist that aren't for you is also fine. Like if there's books that are about gay stuff and you're not gay. Okay. <laughs> like, right. All right. Just be an adult and just allow other people to exist. Um, it's very be, funny because when you call be something pornographic just for involving a gay person, it's like, you know, it's okay that that turned you on a little bit. The fact that it turned you on a little bit doesn't mean that it's negative, bad, or wrong. You know, uh, it's the or, same thing. I, yeah. Or the fact that it didn't turn you on and so you're mad at it too. <laughs> you know, like whatever That's it is, true. whatever the, whatever That's your true. feelings are. Because our role in the lives of the children that are around us, whether they are our children or someone we love's children, whatever the deal is, our responsibility is to help them be able to navigate the real actual world. Mm -hmm. And that means I'm going to have to set aside my own discomfort because that kid's outcomes, their ability to navigate the world effectively and safely is more important than my discomfort. Yeah. And well, yeah, it's more important. It's more important than your discomfort. And you know, you don't want to have the conversation about why there are no black people in your neighborhood. You just want to tell your kids that they don't work. All right. <laughs> Does that mean it's time to go to our next uh, regular I think, segment? I think so. <laughs> Great. So this is going to be a little pivot. Uh, our final segment of today is a fucking brilliant. Oh, yeah. So that's good. And yeah, this one's fun. Um, mm-hmm. This is an article, this conversation is inspired by an article that's in InStyle, um, 
online magazine. I guess it's a magazine. I don't know. It's a website. <laughs> Instyle.com. We'll leave it at that. I think it's an actual magazine. This is the online yeah. version of it or a whole I different thing. I think that's thing. right. Who knows? Yeah, I think that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, this is basically just um, an article written by a sex therapist about the concept of being an autosexual. So, because, again, we're about etymology, so auto mm-hmm. being self uh, so it's a form of attraction to oneself, and mm-hmm. it basically just has to do with you know fantasizing about oneself and preferring to have sex with oneself as uh, instead of a partner, uh, which is not the same thing as being asexual, um, right. and it's not the same thing as just being narcissistic. But right. to be attracted to yourself is just one of the many varieties of human arousal because we can get turned on by all sorts of stuff and that's one of the lovely things about people is yeah. our ingenuity of arousal so very true um it's if not the you, same yeah i think if you aren't attracted to yourself then i think you need to do some deep thinking and uh control your breathing and look at yourself naked in the mirror i don't know something like you should love yourself no one no one can love you more than you and no one should love you more than you um you're very lucky if you find someone that loves you more than you uh and uh you shouldn't give them the power to be the arbiter of whether you deserve love or not Uh, Mm. i think this article is very fun and i i I liked it because i'd never heard of autosexuality before but it's just one of those things when you hear about it you go oh yeah sure i touch myself i guess that's autosexual like But well, yeah, I think, to, to have that be the, like, I would prefer that to anything else. Yeah, I mean, you know, to each his own. Well, well I, think I mean, I guess that's their slogan. Yeah, um, but I think I do want to further distinguish that masturbation isn't inherently an act of autosexuality. So people mm-hmm. masturbate for a lot of different reasons, and that includes asexual folks will often masturbate. And it's just what the intention is there so like Mm. if somebody just masturbates because they're like stressed out and it's just going to calm them down or it just feels like clearing out the pipes um that doesn't necessarily mean anything that could just you know it's a it's a it's like any other bodily function um it's blowing your nose yeah but like the question is when you're masturbating are you fantasizing and wishing that someone else is there or are you thinking about yourself or are you just focusing on the sensations of pleasure those are all different things that are perfectly reasonable to have yeah. happen mm-hmm. all of those are good so and all of the them cases, can happen at the same time fun. yeah yeah so autosexuality would be different than just like i am my own best lover which is just a thing that i hope for all of us is that we know our own bodies so well that you know you don't ever have to put up with toxic shit just so that you can get laid real good yeah or yeah like you should man you should be able to just get it done and then also take your time like you you should be able to know your buttons man like yeah if if you don't know your buttons then you need to start pressing on yourself like figure it out it's it's fun and easy and as long as uh as long as you got a roof over your head there's nothing stopping you (laughs) yeah yeah no that's that's a really good point yeah because like i think that is also another concern is like a lot of times people will be like i want to have things to ask my partner for but i don't even know what i would ask for like i'm not even sure right and then then i'll be like okay well when's the last time you had like a very gourmet masturbatory session where you like explored shit and tried a bunch of sensations and the answer is probably never because a lot of people just don't do that kind of thing because it feels awkward yeah, it's mired in shame, too, from the first time you do it. And then you have to lie to all your friends at school. Sorry. Yeah. No, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's like you don't want anybody to walk in on you because it's a private mm. thing. And, like, you know, having nervousness about if you have any sort of religious compunctions around it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a whole lot of different reasons. And because it's done in privacy often, usually, then should we be. have less... <laughs> Well, yeah, the, everybody who's there should at least have agreed to be a part of it. Right. Uh, if it's not done in private. And then it's just because we don't have that information, we don't know how other people are doing it. We don't know, like, what positions they're laying in and yeah. the kind of sensations that they're looking for and what implements they use. And so it's just right. sort of shrouded in this mystery and secrecy. And pornography is art. And it is often, uh, not camp, but... Um... Uh, an exaggerated yeah hyperbolic yeah. it's an exaggerated 
uh, version of what people do. And so, you know, uh, if you think watching pornography is the way to figure out what you like, um, again, you can have it on, but just do some deep breathing, touch yourself, go slow, then go fast, then go slow again, then stop. I don't know. Punch yourself, then do it again. You know, like figure, figure it out on your own. It's okay. But, but but again yeah. to go back to this is a little bit different than autosexual because like yeah, yeah, yeah. autosexual isn't just exclusively about masturbation. So you prefer sex with yourself more than with other people. That's a like a key identifier of autosexuality. It doesn't mean that it's exclusive. It just means mm. that it would like prefer. And then you know enjoying sex in front of a mirror. Oh, um, everybody's done the wink and the gun. What are we doing? <laughs> Come on now. From American Psycho? Yeah, baby. <laughs> And then just like being attracted to yourself, uh, which I again, like you said, I hope everybody is. I hope everybody likes themselves. That would yeah, be man, touch your own butt. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, fantasizing about yourself, which I think is interesting because, like, um, you know, I guess that had never really occurred to me. Like personally, yeah, yeah that's one where it's just like I, I'm, I, I am in real time trying to wrap my brain around this theory. Um, <laughs> theory. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Yeah. How does yeah, one fantasize so, about oneself? Yeah. I'm curious if that means like they're thinking about situations where they're alone or just like thinking about their own butt. Like, I'm not sure. Yeah. Like there is that, uh, 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 I've list- I've watched far too much comedy in my life. Uh, it, it's a, this is the life I chose, but, um, you know, there's, there's always the old trope of like, if you had a twin or a, a clone, would you yeah. have sex with that clone? Yeah. And what is that? Is that, is it, uh, is it gay? Is it narcissist? Is it, you know, is it incest, uh, to have sex wow. with a cloned version of you? You know, yeah. that those are usually the comedic questions that are posed by this, uh, yeah. science fiction, uh, conundrum. Yeah. I mean, whenever I think about that one, I'm like, I mean, your clone would know what to do better than anybody else right like assuming they have so. your memories that'd be pretty cool i think so yeah i think yeah if it was just me and me i think we we'd figure out some shit together because yeah i think we'd yeah. learn a lot i think yeah. we'd learn a whole lot that'd be really interesting yeah um another point that is made in this article is uh being attracted to people who look like you which i find is uh like kind of a call out because a everybody does yeah. like homophily is one of the biggest laws of attraction is we are attracted to people who are like us and then there's always that interesting line between wanting to bang someone wanting to be with someone and wanting to be someone mm-hmm. that's always an interesting thing anyway so like that's not exclusive to autosexuality yeah yeah but yeah and also we fall shout out to all time. yeah and shout out to all my queers who dress identical to their partners <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they I, mean, know who I guess they are. that is it, uh, being <laughs> queer makes it probably a little more easy to find someone that looks a lot like you. But you know, I mean, everybody sure, does it. Yeah, everybody I'm does sh- it. Homophily is one of the biggest predictors of attraction. I'm sure there's there was a Tumblr of uh, couples that look far too alike. Oh, that yeah, or that look like they're dogs. Oh, the dog one, sure. <laughs> Cause that's love too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's just like, yeah, you. you after a while, y'all just start looking like each other. Like, <laughs> I guess I it's hope, a thing. I hope I look like my cats. My cats are great. Right. <laughs> I don't think I have. Idaho. I don't have the rest in bitch face of James Bond. Oh. JB, I hope staring. I'm as beautiful as my cats. <laughs> <laughs> would would that it were. <laughs> would that it were. If only amazing yeah all right well that was it yeah if you want to find out more about autosexuality you can obviously check out this article and then you know you have the internet so you can look it up now yeah if you found this show you can probably find a search engine i would suggest DuckDuckGo. yeah yeah it's the only buzz marketing i'm doing yeah yeah i like it okay well that was a i think a a nice place to wrap up with love for self so Mm -hmm. 
with that, where can people find out more about you, Daryl? And where can they get your album, Black Gentrifier? Oh, me? Oh, you can go to DarylComedy.com. On there, you'll see uh, pictures of me. Uh, you'll see video of me. Uh, you'll see uh, text that I wrote about me. Uh, that was a very weird thing. I wish I was an autosexual when it came to writing your own bio. Um, oof, that's I'm I'm getting I'm getting verklempt as I talk about it. But you can go to DarylComedy.com. I just put a bunch of dates on there. Um, so you know, uh, go see when I'll be anywhere near you, and uh, then come and see me uh, do the thing that I love the most, which is get money for doing comedy. And you'll be able to see the two of us. Uh, That's very true. DTF coming soon in Baltimore mm-hmm. in February. Yes. And then hopefully in Philadelphia at some point as well. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> we've been saying this for a year. We're like, we'll be back soon. It's coming. I promise. You know, yep. we were working on it and then outside happened. You know yep. how it is. You know. Yeah. You know what happened. If you can't get orange juice. It's kind of tough to put on a DTF. Now, I don't know. I, I guess maybe uh, our our fans uh, drink a lot of screwdrivers. I have no idea. It's what I just I mean, assumed. Yeah. So, I mean, vitamin C. You got a lot sure. of on there. It's, it's good, good for you. Prevent, prevent scurvy. Very true. That's yeah. When I start to get sick, screwdrivers. have. Uh, it was actually a night of screwdrivers and a slight cold that got me uh, kicked off of the stage at the Raven Lounge for the first time. Good times. Good times. <laughs> but Dr. Timory, yeah. where can people find out about you and your many endeavors? Perhaps they want a workshop or something. Oh, yeah. Well, they can go to Dr. Timory. That's D-R-T-I-M-A-R-E-E. Uh, so Dr. Timory, where you can find the links to news articles, including the ones that we've discussed on the show. You can find out more about my upcoming events and uh, you can read the articles that I have written. Uh, some of my upcoming workshops include a virtual intimate partner massage uh, class that will be, again, virtual. So it's through Sexploratorium, but you'll be able to do it from the safety of your own home. Uh, I have an upcoming Burlesque 101 workshop through Sexploratorium as well. Uh, I'm not sure if that's in person or virtual, actually, but both of those are in February. And uh, I've got lots of shows coming up, and you can see me at... Flirt Vonnegut's Fantasy Basement, depending on when this episode comes out, but that'll be the 26th. <laughs> you will also be able to see Daryl there as well. Very true. And you will see our illustrious producer and editor, Flirt Vonnegut, talking, talking about, about Marvel. Marvel Comics. Yeah. And some of our uh, good friends will also be on that show, including comedian Keen Cobb and mm-hmm. uh, formal, former Marvel editor Tom Brennan. Both people who have been on the show. Yeah. So all of that again, drtimmery.com. And you can oh, yeah. follow us on the Twitters and the Instagrams and all of those things if you would like to do that. Yeah, we are very welcoming on the internet. Uh, yeah. Most of my snide comments will not be posted about you. Uh, they'll just be thought. <laughs> and that's called kindness. Yeah. Yeah. For... That's what we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't yeah, have anything definitely. nice to say get a patreon <laughs> yeah so yeah i guess we don't have anything nice to say so we'll wrap up this episode <laughs> <laughs> but thank you everyone for listening for supporting us for the better part of eight years for mm-hmm. listening uh to this podcast for the last year and a half and uh thank you to our editor and producer flirt vonnegut and uh we'll talk at you next week bye-bye and what and you ain't hanging with the team if you ain't down to fuck <laughs> <laughs>